Halloween is only a couple of days away, but I know that we just uttered the most frightful phrase in the English language, there will be no kids praise today. <laughs> I know, I know. And uh, we do want to remind you that there is a, uh, that there's a great, uh, there's a great little toddler in crawling around area that's uh, just out here in the lobby, you can see the, um, the glass right back here. And if you'd like to go and be there uh, with your little one, you can. Uh, but otherwise, if you can, if the little guys and gals, if you'll hold on, I promise I've got something special for you at the end, okay? So I just need uh, all of our elementary kids to hold on. Our kids praise and we worship volunteers do such an amazing job. They do an amazing job each and every week of providing an atmosphere that is, that is fun, that is exciting. It's an atmosphere that is also one where there is, of course, learning that takes place when it comes to just who God is and, 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 and the love that God has for us. It's a, a great way for them to express their own love for God in their, in their ways. And we have so many that volunteer to keep that up and going. And so we think that the least that we can do is that um, on that fifth Sunday when that rolls around in a, in a month, just to give all of our volunteers just a little bit of time off from that. And it also allows our kiddos to be in here just like we all used to have to do. Right, everybody? Yeah. Some of you are like, where was kids praise when I was little? Man, that'd be great. I had to sit and listen to the old brother. I'm not going to say his name. But you're thinking about him right now. You are, and you're wishing you had kids' praise. Oh, somebody will be like, man, we had to go and listen to Mr. Chris like five times a year. It was awful. But he has treats today, so just hang in there with me. Hey guys, eight weeks ago, we focused our attention on a moment when Jesus asked his disciples to do something that went totally against everything that they knew about fishing specifically fishing on the Sea of Galilee. And he told them that he wanted them to go out where it was deeper and he wanted them to let down their nets there. But it went against everything that they already knew to be true. It wasn't the best time of day. It wasn't the best location. Peter, as he's pushing away from shore in his boat, probably noticed the other boats coming back in, or many of them that had been out fishing, they were already tied up. They were, they were washing their nets. They were cleaning them. Everybody was getting ready to be able to go home and enjoy a much-earned rest. And pretty soon, Peter's boat was going to be the only one, the only dot that was out there on the water. It wasn't the brightest thing to do. It wasn't the safest thing to do. His was going to be the only boat that was out there fishing. But you think about it from the other point of view, his would also be the only one out there catching. And so the text says that when Peter and his fishing buddies, when they hauled in a record catch, when they brought it back to the shore, they were awestruck and they were amazed. And Jesus' response was to tell them that that day, going forward, they were going to enjoy even more success. But not just with the idea of catching fish. They were going to go out, he said, and fish for people. And that day on the shores of Galilee, there was a small group of fishermen that could not begin to comprehend the places that they would go, the people that they would impact as they followed Jesus out into the deep. And so in this lesson series, we've attempted to lay out 
what we believe to be a, a deep blue ocean adventure for our church family. You see, we believe that Jesus is calling us out into the deep water in order to connect the next generation to Christ. We want to build on what God has already been doing in our midst and become known as a faith community, known for its outreach and its inreach to those who are under the age of 45. It's our big, hairy, audacious goal. It's our BHAG. We want to connect the next generation to Christ. And you're like, well, what about me? I'm not a part of that next generation. You're already here. You're already connected to Christ, right? And don't you want somebody else to be connected to Christ? Don't you want somebody else to enjoy the blessings that you have? To be able to read, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And to read it as, wow, Jesus is talking to me. Don't we want somebody else to read that? Especially our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors. But friends, as a nation, we're currently experiencing the largest and the fastest religious shift in the history of the United States. Tens of millions of formerly regular Christian worshipers nationwide have decided that they no longer desire to attend any type of Christian community. And really for the past 25 years, the Christian community, with very few exceptions, has been hemorrhaging young men and women to the extent that the younger a person is, the greater the likelihood that he or she will be unaffiliated with any type of Christian church environment. Okay, so you just look around and you start seeing individuals, 40s, 30s, 20s, come on over here to those who are in our teens and begin to understand. The likelihood is that the younger the person is, well, they're probably not going to stay connected if they even are connected now to any type of church environment. The outreach and the assimilation strategies that work to a certain extent for my and my parents' generation are no longer bearing fruit like they once did. Now, we've said there's no secret sauce. There is no cute packaging or formula that can guarantee success. But the only certainty is that what the Christian community has been doing is no longer resonating with the culture where the disciples of Jesus are. So over the course of this lesson series, we have considered some specific things that our church family needed to address as a faith community in order to be able to gain a hearing with the next generations. And we have intentionally focused on adaptive solutions, those that represent a culture shift in values, in beliefs, in attitudes, a shift in approach. Too often when churches discuss how to engage others, the focus is on technical solutions. Technical ones. Not, not adaptive, but technical. And those are solutions that represent a tweak to the system. So all the conversations oftentimes revolve around concrete things that a group can do just to change this or to adjust that. And for our fellowship within the churches of Christ, those conversations center almost exclusively around our gathering times. What do we do when we get together and, and how do we do those things? And while there are always technical adjustments that can and, and should be made to be true to the kingdom mission, a faith community is naive to think that a few tweaks to the worship assemblies is all that is needed. And so we've approached this series adaptively, looking at the big picture. And we've been talking about things that resonate not just within this room, but 
within your home, within your classroom. Things that resonate in the gym, things that resonate when you're out at Cracker Barrel. We're looking at the big picture. Saying that if we are going to help connect the next generation to Jesus, then we have to remember that followers of Jesus have good news for the world. I mean, we have a message and we have a ministry of hope and healing. And that message, we've said, can be shared by anyone. There are not like specific ones, well, you can share it, but you can't. You can talk about Jesus, but you can't. And well, you can use your spiritual giftedness, but you don't need to over here. The message about Jesus and that, that good news and the healing that comes with God, well, that can be shared by anyone. We've also discussed how accomplishing this big, hairy, audacious goal will require that each of us develop a whatever-it-takes mindset. Whatever it takes. And we asked the question, you know, we said that, that I will what? I, I will what? What will I do in order to help connect the next generation to Christ? And someone said, you know, the real question that we maybe we need to ask is, what will I not do? Is there something where we say, you know, I just won't do that. If it means that for my kids to be brought to Jesus Christ, nope, I won't do that. If this means that my grandkids can be in heaven with me, I won't do that. What is the I want that you won't do? We said we've got to develop a whatever-it-takes mindset. It's what the Apostle Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we said we've got to be willing, among other things, to accept the next generation into our lives and engage with them in uncomfortable conversations and invest in them as friends and mentors. And then ultimately, last week, we said that in order to gain credibility with these next generations that are coming up, we have to have Jesus at the center of everything that we do with the reminder that we're trying to lead others to Jesus. We're trying to lead others to Jesus, not to our positions, not to our politics, and not to our practices. We're trying to bring people to Jesus. And that brings us to today's conversation. We need to address one more adaptive consideration. But first, I want to take a quick poll. I want to take a quick poll. This afternoon is our fall festival from 4 to 6. We want you to come. We want you to dress up. We want you to hang out. We want you to have a great time. It's for young and old alike, no matter what generation you're a part of, we want you to be here. And it's not just for us, by the way. We try not just to do things that are just for our church people. This is something for our community. We've had signs that have been out. We've been sharing this information. We want the community to come and enjoy this time of just a um, safe, fun environment. Um, but I thought it'd be good for us to see where we stand as a congregation on a very important subject before we have our, our uh, fall festival. Candy corn. We need to figure this out, guys. We need to answer this, all right? We need to find out, are we a candy corn church or not? You see, we are a candy corn family. At least I am at my house. Don't look at my wife who is shaking her head right now. In fact, our daughter made her own candy corn outfit at one time. Yeah, this is how into candy corn we are at our house. By the way, if you look at our son who's standing there, you have to look close. I know you probably can't see him. He is all covered up and dressed in black. Look closely. That year he was very biblical. He was the shadow of death. <laughs> and his sister said that she felt no fear while walking next to him. 
No evil. It was great. But for some reason, you know what? These little pieces of sugary confection elicit a pretty strong response from most everybody. So I thought that we would just take a little bit of a poll, a little candy corn poll, if you would, to find out are we a candy corn or non-candy corn church. So on the screen is going to be a QR code. And what I want you to do is pull out your phone and you're going to get to uh, vote, all right? You're going to get to vote whether or not you are a candy corn person. You just get to say yay or nay. So go ahead, take it out. Now, if, if you do not have a phone that was made in the um, 2000s, okay? If you brought your bag phone with you, that will not work today. That will not work. But you can ask someone sitting next to you, hey, can, can I vote with your phone? And they, they will let you do that. They, 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 will, they will let you. And, and let's just kind of see. I've got a running tally here. How are we, um, how are we doing? Wow. Already we have 227 responses, and it just keeps on going up. That's fantastic. You keep it going. And right now, the yeas have it currently. Yeah, I know. Clap for yourself. Thank you. Yes, that's good. The, the yeas have it. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Somebody's voting more than once. I can already tell because I said that, and the nays just started to pick up. And... and uh, now it is, all right, you know, it's 52.5 to 47.5 for those who have, for those who have voted so far. All right, we will keep the polls open at least till the end of this lesson and we'll come back and kind of see how, we, we'll see how things are. Um, but I am going to take the QR code off the screen, all right? So get it now, get it, make sure you got it. Everybody, I see most of the phones that are, that are down. You know, if Jesus is at the center of everything that we do, and, and I hope he is, guys. I hope that the things that we've talked about over the course of this lesson series has not been crazy, and you're not like, wow, I've never heard that before. But I want you to think about something. If Jesus is at the center of everything we do, then our church family will grow. I believe that. Our church family will grow as God adds to our number men and women from all types of backgrounds and from all types of generations who want nothing more than to just be known as Jesus' people and to be able to say there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ and I am one of them. But that can be difficult. Because new people means new stories and new struggles and new preferences. And more often than not, it's the mixing of the new and old preferences that cause Christian communities to lose their focus and in the process be able to lose their witness for Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote multiple letters to a group of Christians living in modern-day Greece because of this very issue. They lost their focus, and it was impacting their witness. And he said, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other, that there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Now, as you read through this letter, you discover that there are a number of different things causing this division. And maybe you're sitting there, if this is the first time you've ever heard this particular verse referenced in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you're thinking, well, man, what are they so divided over? 
I mean, what is it? There, there's got to be something huge that's going on within this church, this church community. Well, here's what it is. They were divided over who is my favorite preacher. Now, I'm not going to ask you who yours is because I don't want us to be divided over that. Me and you. Me and you divided. You don't understand what I mean. But that's what they were talking about. Who's my favorite preacher? Who's my favorite leader? Some were on Team Paul. Some were on Team Peter. Some were in the camp of Team Apollos. And there were others who were even like, hey, I'm Team Jesus. And you think, well, that's the one that we all want to be in, right? Well, listen, if you're on Team Jesus, what that really meant was, I'm going to listen to Jesus. I'm not going to listen to Paul. And I'm not going to listen to Peter. I'm not going to listen to those to whom Jesus gave authority. I'm not going to listen to anybody else. I'm just on Team Jesus. So it's not as, as good there as you thought it might be. They had a preference problem. Some people liked it this way. Some people liked it that way. And guys, we all have preferences. And preferences are not wrong in and of themselves. We all have things that we prefer from candy corn to preachers. It's when we develop the attitude that my preference must become your preference. Well, that's when we have a problem. That's when we get into trouble. And I know it's probably an oversimplification, but preference is why the Christian community has traditionally been so divided. One group prefers this, another group prefers that. And each is sure that their preference equals God's precept. What one considers a preference, well, the other considers a command of God. So through the years, groups of disciples began to distinguish and to separate themselves from one another. And so you've had some that go, I'm of Martin Luther, or I'm of John Wesley. I'm of Alexander Campbell. Lines were drawn. Lines were drawn marking off preferred teachings and preferred practices until ultimately entire denominations were born, each distinguished from one another, not by their faith in Jesus. They're not distinguished by their faith in Jesus, but by their preferred practices. It's why the Baptists are not Methodist. And it's why Methodists are not Adventist. It's why the churches of Christ are not the churches of God. Lines were drawn around each group's preferences. Then for much of our lifetime, individuals in Western society chose or had chosen for them a desired Christian group. That's what many of us grew up. That's the landscape that many of us grew up in. That's how we understood religion. But now we stand at a crossroad where the next generation is not choosing between Christian preferences, but between Christianity and everything else. The emerging generations are more likely than any other to approach religion as if they approach it at all, but they approach religion as a cafeteria. Picking and choosing, mixing and matching religious ideas from a smorgasbord of options. Six out of ten individuals in their 30s and 40s believe that many religions are true. Half of that believe that one does not have to accept religious beliefs as a whole. You, you just kind of take some from this group, take some from that group. Whatever works. The next generation... These next generations have not rejected religious authority altogether. They have merely diluted the notion of a singular religious authority and supplemented it with the notion of multiple religious authorities. So perhaps you can begin to understand why the next generations 
consider the squabbling over preferences by Christian denominations to be a huge waste of time. While we're debating and dividing over worship preferences or what we call our preacher, they're busily cobbling together their life values based on what works for them from multiple religions and philosophies and YouTube sites. As we engage those under the age of 40, a mass majority will be biblically uninformed, if not altogether biblically illiterate. They'll be spiritual, but not necessarily religious. Anti-institutional. They'll be pluralistic. They will be pragmatic, desiring a faith experience that impacts real life. They'll be relational, experiential, and prone to secular Christianity. Meaning, I follow Jesus, but Jesus doesn't really change me. And guys, because this is their makeup, they are unconcerned with how our fellowship differs from the rest. The majority of the next generations have no idea of the differences between Baptist and Methodist and churches of Christ and churches of God, and, and they don't really care. See, in Corinth, preference created four different groups. Preferences have created so many more in our culture now. And you know preference has become a problem when the church becomes divided by it. You see, when my preference is more important than our relationship, we have a problem. When my preference is more important than our relationship, we have a problem. So Paul wants them all to come together and be united. But how do you do that? How do you get unity where there are these four divisions? Well, I want you to notice something he does not do. He doesn't try to get them to all think alike on who is the best leader. He doesn't present an argument where he would ask them to totally agree on who's the best preacher. Paul, Apollos, Peter, how many of you are going to come out in a line around Jesus? He doesn't do that. Instead, here's what he does. When preference becomes a problem, he tells them to put it to rest. Put it to rest. He told them there in verse 10, Depending on your translation, agree with one another, live in harmony with one another, stop arguing. Paul used the term lego, like lego my ego, right? was a word that originally meant to lay down to sleep, to lay down to sleep. And it was used later to talk about laying an argument to rest or bringing a message to its closure or to its conclusion. Basically what Paul is telling them is enough about who you think is best or who you like the most or which one you relate to more, put it to bed. Let it rest. Drop it. It's not that big of a deal. And friends, I have found though that there are church members who will oftentimes spend more of their time arguing about preferences than testifying about grace. And I've known church leaderships whose time was so monopolized by every group and every faction within the church that they had little time to really focus their energy on sharing the good news of Jesus with a hurting community. And Paul says, put it to rest. Stop constantly talking about it. Stop being consumed by it. Rest. And then he unites them under the cross of Jesus Christ. He helps them see that this one great thing 
That this one great thing, the grace that they have received through Jesus, the fact that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that it is enough to bring them all together. And it's fine if they have their different preferences. And if one likes Paul better, if one likes Peter, it's fine if they have those differing opinions. They can still be united because of the grace that has been found in Jesus Christ. Because in Paul's mind, grace is greater than preference. So he says in verse 13, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? In other words, he's saying, look, it's not about me and it's not about Apollos. It's, it's not about Peter. They're, we're not the ones who saved you. Why are you making this about us? Jesus is the one that forgives sins. Jesus is the one who saved you for all eternity. And since you have this one great thing in common, then don't let all of these other things divide you. And friends, that's what our church should look like. That's what every Christian community should look like. A group of people who may not seem to have a lot in common, but in fact they have everything in common because of what they have received in Jesus Christ. And friends, this is so important. It's so important because members of the next generation who are coming to faith, they have, surprise, their own preferences. They have their own preferences. The next generations prefer that, that we focus on community and connection over content consumption. Think about that for a minute. That we focus on community and connection over content consumption. Guys, they can get on their phones and they can listen to podcasts and they can watch videos with all types of information about scripture and about opinions and about church practices. So while we should never stop engaging the scriptures, we must seek creative ways to share and discuss biblical content in community, prioritizing our relationships. Churches for so long have all been about the sharing of the content. You say, I don't agree with that. Well, look how you're sitting right now. Are you sitting to grow relationship or to receive content? It's what all churches do, right? When we set to receive the message, that's kind of how we're put together. And we've got another generation that's growing up saying, I would much rather be able to have these conversations and be able to look at you and be able to see you and be able to ask you a question. And what do you think about this? You're like, well, we do that during Bible class time. Really? When you go into your Bible class today, you come back and you tell me how that classroom is set up. Is it set up for relationship or for content consumption? Again, we're not talking about disengaging from Scripture, but perhaps being creative in the way that we talk about Scripture. The next generations prefer that women be seen and heard. They do not understand why women can author books and speeches but not prayers. Or why a woman can lead a Fortune 500 company but not a small group Bible study. 
Men and women under the age of 40 are the most inclusive group in our society, and they are going to bring with them preferences for inclusion in the church, desiring that everyone be given the opportunity to use their giftedness for God's glory. The next generations prefer that churches not make homosexuality to be a bigger sin than anything else. Is someone's sexual orientation more egregious to God than my pride? Is someone's sexual practice more egregious to God than your gluttony? next generation is just saying let, let, let's just call let's just call it what it is and if there's sin it's sin but let's not make one be up here higher than the other is the next generation they prefer worship experiences over worship wars they have come of an age in a polarized society and they have little patience with infighting over something that they see as unifying and they want multiple worship experiences, times like we're having just right here and now, or, or, or times when maybe things are, are, are much more focused and liturgical. Maybe there are times even when things are, are much more happy, clappy, raisy, praisy than even what we do. And they're looking for those worship experiences to be able to share their love and, and, and their thanksgiving to God, and they don't understand why everybody wants to throw a fit over how someone else says thank you to their Lord. The next generation, they prefer churches leave political discussions to the pundits and that pastors focus on communities instead of candidates. The next generations, they prefer churches use their time and money to support the marginalized and the hurting don't always understand why the money goes to the big buildings that oftentimes are set empty during the week instead of being opened up to help the community or that money goes for different needs and issues. And you know what? Maybe some of these preferences are yours also. Or maybe you don't prefer these ideas at all, considering some of what I just said is not just going against your preference, but you consider it going against God's precepts. You know, we can put a QR code on the screen with these and other issues and discover that we have different preferences. Remember when I said a few weeks ago that we're going to have to become willing to engage in difficult conversations? So what does it mean for us moving forward? Because if we are focused on Jesus, that means that God is going to grow our community. So here at East Brainerd, our leadership desires to make decisions based not on preference, but on what we prayerfully believe will help us most effectively carry out the mission of God. And friends, sometimes these decisions will align with your preferred preference. And you will come to something that we have or participate in an offering that is attached to us and you will go, yes, love this. Man, this is great. Sometimes that's going to happen. And sometimes we can accommodate multiple preferences. Well, we can 
We could have if we were to choose. We can offer different worship experiences at different times. We don't all just have to always just come to this one necessarily. Do it this way. We do the same thing with our small group structure, with our classes. At times, there can be decisions where multiple preferences can, 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 can be kind of leaned into, right? And you can then walk in and go, whew, boy, I'm glad that we have choice. Glad they got a choice. And there's going to be times our decisions will go against your preference. And you're going to say, you know what, I just really don't like that. That really doesn't do a lot for me. And there may be seasons when your preference is never the direction that we go as a congregation. We might never. We might never go in the direction of your preferences. But whether we meet your preference or whether we do not, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we are one in Christ. One in Christ. So on the whole, we have to be pragmatic. Which practice will, will enable us to most effectively accomplish our mission of sharing the grace of Jesus Christ? How can we best center others on Christ? What strategy or practice provides the opportunity for the greatest impact on our community? What can we do in our assemblies to better allow worshipers to draw near God? The answer to these questions and others that, that focus on financial appropriations or staffing choices or facility usage or, or ministry focus, no matter your age or generation, it might not be your preference, whether you're young or old. And that's okay. Because it's not about me. And it's not about you. It's about connecting the next generation to Christ. Each of us has a preference. But preferences can never be more important than our relationship. And our preferences must never supersede grace. And I pray that we're all going to sail into water in this search for this BHAG and that we're going to trust our spiritual leaders to, to shepherd us in a way that will allow our church family to effectively live out the mission of God in our present context. To connect the next generation to Christ, preference cannot be a problem. So let me end things like this. First of all, let me go back and see how we are on the candy corns. Let's see here. Oh, got the wrong one. Where's the other one? Oops. Oh, I see somebody's been playing. They don't want me to know what it is. They have taken, they've taken it away. Hang on. I'm going to find this. Where, where is it, Biscuit? Where'd it go, man? All right, here we go. All right, there it is. All right, I know that some of you voted more often because it says that there are 952 responses. <laughs> and that is, I believe, a new record attendance at East Brainerd. So while, while I'm thankful that all of you are here, and for all of you online that voted, and who called your aunt and uncle to vote as well, 51.9%, yay to candy corns. 48.1%, nay to candy corns. I have some candy corns uh, with me, by the way. 
I got some candy corns, and I told, the, um, I told those kids that normally go to kids' praise and we worship, right? Um, I told them if they would hang with me, I would, I would have something. Now, um, if, if, there are, if there are kids here who enjoy candy corn, and if moms or dads, if you know that it's okay for your kids to get candy corn, all right, if you wouldn't mind just to send them right here, right down front to me right now. If there are kids that like candy corn. Now, if you don't like candy corn, this is what I got, all right? So I got candy corn. All right, let, let's see. All right. All right, here we go. If you like candy corn. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. All right. There we go. There's plenty. One at a time. We got, we got, we got plenty. We got plenty. We got plenty. Share them around. Share them around. We got plenty. Who needs some more? No, don't reach in. Don't reach and grab. All right. Somebody's hand was just like Harry. I think there was a um, dad that was up here. All right, here we go. Here we go. Some candy corn, some candy corn, candy corn, candy corn, candy corn. All right. There we go. Candy corn. All right, after you got some, go on. Let everybody else have some. Whoops, can I put some in your sling? All right, you only have two? There we go. All right, give him some more. Give him some more. Now I know who voted extra. I, I voted extra. You voted extra? You voted extra? I voted extra. Where are your parents? There they are, right? Where are they? They're right over here. I know. Molly needs some. Well, let's get you some, Molly. There you go. All right, let's see here. All right, we got some. Don't worry, I got more if there's a problem. There we go. All right. There we go. Uh, should we refrain from picking them up any? off the floor? There's some on the floor. I probably shouldn't take those. All right, hang on. All right, here we go. I got, I got some more. Hang on just a minute. I respect. Hang on. Yes, there are some on the floor, but they are not staying very long. All right. All right, here we go. All right, there we go. You, you want extra? <laughs> extra? Nice. All right, here we go. All right, you got some? Right? All right. We good? Who, who hasn't gotten any yet? All right, there you go. All right, good. Good. You got some? You got some? You got yours? You got yours? Oh, we need some more there. All right, there you, there you go. Whoops, yours are falling. There we go. Take that. Close it tight. All right, you guys go have a seat. Go take your candy corns. Don't share them with anybody. Wow, did you know so many kids like candy corns? Did, did you know that? Now, I, I just want to know, were there any kids that did not come up? Anybody that didn't? Because there was like a ton, right? Do we have any kids here? Moms or dads, just raise your hand. If your kid did not come up because they don't like candy corn, go ahead, call them out. Wait, we, got, we got one right back there? Well, guess what? Does yours like Skittles? Really? They do? Well, let's wrap it up like this. Guys, for too long, the church community has kind of gone about life as if, if you don't like candy corn, 
Well, we don't have anything for you here. But we know there's more, right? We, we know there's more than just my preference. We know that just because I like candy corn doesn't mean that everybody likes candy corn. We know that there are some Skittle-loving people that are out there, right? We know there's people that like Skittles. And, uh, and so, man, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that I've got Skittles? Because I've got some kids back here who, when, when asked to come and get candy corn, they watched all the other kids come, but they didn't. They didn't because they're like, I'm, I'm not a candy corn. I'm not a candy corn person. Right? Who, who, who didn't come? Who didn't get the giddy? Whoops. There you go. Had some over here? Oh, now everybody. No, but you're right. I didn't see you guys. You're right. Here we go. Here you go. Let me, get, let me give some. Let me give some. Who didn't have some? What? Right? Now, I know some of you. I know some of you big people wanted to come. Here you go. Some of you guys, I know, Jensen, you're raising your hand back there. You want some, right? There you go, buddy. Here you go. See anybody over here want some? No, no, no. Some people want some. We want candy corn, right? We want some candy corn. Chris, make sure you come down to the youth group. You got a oh, bunch of guys Oh, the youth group there. wants candy corn. I mean, the youth group wants Skittles. I see. Hey, don't worry, I got more. If we didn't have Skittles, then are we saying that we don't want those kids here? Friends, there's a generation that's growing up all around us and maybe they like candy corns, or maybe they don't. And maybe they're more of a Skittle group. Can't we do both? Can't we, can't we sometimes have both preferences? Or if we have to make a choice, can't we say, you know what? I've had my candy corn. I've had my candy corn. I want the next group to have their Skittles. Church, we have as our big, hairy, audacious goal to reach the next generation for Christ. And to do so, preference cannot be a problem. And I pray that with God's grace, it will not be. So let's close out this time together with a time of praise to our God. What were we singing? I forget. Amazing grace, my chains are gone. Amazing grace, my chains are gone. That is a message for every generation and every place. And I want you to be able to stand this morning and to sing this song to the top of your lungs. If you're someone, though, that realizes, you know what? 
I have never given my life over to Jesus. And I am, I'm not truly a disciple. I've never been baptized into Christ. I don't know what it means for there not to be condemnation on me. We'd love to be able to celebrate as you were baptized this morning. We'd love to have more conversations with you about that. We want you to know that we have a prayer room that's located just off our lobby. And if you'd like to have some time just in private to have some conversations with, individu with an individual, one of our shepherds, one of our elders here, one of the leaders of our congregation, just about things that are going on in your life and have a time of prayer, we'd love to have that opportunity. Guys, I'm so thankful that you've been here today. I hope that as we have been talking, it has been something that has been beneficial for you. If you have any questions about anything that we have shared throughout this series, I encourage you to talk with me or any of our elders. We'll be glad to have that conversation with you. Can't wait to see what God is going to do in our midst as we go out for the big, hairy, audacious goal. Let's stand and give God praise.